Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. Again, we're on season three now, which is really exciting. So thanks for tuning in to another season. Today, I am joined by Liz Lenevy, Amy Gunn, and Megan Crow. And we're going to talk about something a little bit different today, which is, is everything a competition? And I had quite a bit of fun thinking about moderating, if you will, this topic for our group especially. And I want to ask everyone on this call if everything has to be a competition. But before you even answer, I want to say the answer is yes, and I'm right, which in of itself (laughs) is competitive, right? So before I even ask that, does anyone on this call, Liz, Amy, Megan, do you think that the answer is no? Do any of you think the answer is no? No, the answer is yes. Correct. All right. So we can just ask that because I know that all. Wait, Liz, Liz looks like she might disagree. Liz, go for it. Are we talking about in work or just in life in general? Both, my friend. Yes. All right. I will give my one sort of pet peeve about competition, and that is gift giving. I hate competitions with gift giving because I'm a terrible gift giver. And so this is a point of contention between my husband and me who loves giving gifts. It's his love language. He loves just buying things and watching me open them. Meanwhile, my reaction is just buy what you want. First of all, couldn't agree more (laughs) with just that whole breakdown. And second, just keep that in the back of your mind because I think that's going to fit into one of the prompts that I was thinking about when I was brainstorming about this podcast. So I obviously think everything's a competition. I know all you guys think that everything's a competition. And I think trial lawyers inherently are competitive. I would never recommend being a trial lawyer to anyone if they didn't love competition. Not like competition, but love competition. I was reading some blogs online prior to today's episode to try to get my brain kind of thinking about competition or the idea that you can't be competitive because I couldn't really wrap my head around that. And there's different types of competition. And some blogs talked about healthy competition versus unhealthy competition. I have no, I don't know. I don't know the difference. I I don't know what unhealthy competition means. And I'm hoping that you three brilliant women can tell me the difference between healthy and unhealthy competition. So I think there's a difference between being competitive and being a jerk. You know, we all know someone who takes it a little bit too far. And while I think it's definitely good to have healthy competition, it's obviously in all of our blood and our bones, especially being trial attorneys. But I think it's good not to cross the line into being sore. And when you're competitive to a point where you get sore if you if you lose and then you let that affect your attitude and you become a jerk about it, that's when it's unhealthy. Okay, so losing and being angry is what you think is more unhealthy competition. Right. I would say if you lose, channel that into more healthy competition and to better yourself, to do better the next time and whatever it may be. But if you're just stewing in it and it just makes you not a pleasant person to be around, that's when I think it's too far. And that's when I think competition is unhealthy. Liz? I'll buy it on that. And I think, too, just putting it within the context of what we do, 
obviously trial attorneys are competitive people. There is literally a versus in everything we do. Someone versus someone, someone versus something. It is inherently a competition. But to Megan's point about letting the competition affect you and is that when it becomes unhealthy? I think about that in terms of attorneys and civility. And are you allowing competition to, and and just the nature of this job, affect your civility as an attorney? And so we all know attorneys who maybe skirt by the rules, the ethical duties that we all have. They aren't easy to work with. They do a disservice to their clients because they aren't easy to work with. Judges don't like them. We know who these attorneys are. And I think that those might be people that competition has gotten to them too much and it is now unhealthy. They have just invested so much into the competition that they've really lost sight of what the goal is at the end of the day. And it makes them a bad attorney and probably a bad human. Look, we all know jerks in every profession. Lawyers, doctors, accountants, <laughs> whoever, who are willing to like throw people under the bus because they are that competitive and that's how they look at everything. And Instead of being a, an exercise in advancing yourself or advancing your client or whatever, it becomes too cutthroat. It's about the W at the end of the day is what you're saying. The hell with everything else. Right. It, it's a situation where the ends always justify the means. Amy, what do you think about that? Before we started, I wrote down that it has taken me years to not let my competitive nature distract me from my ultimate goals. And Liz, you just said losing sight of your goals is an unhealthy result of being competitive. And I think I would agree with that. But if my goal is to win and I stick with that goal to the end and I win, is it a self-fulfilling prophecy? Is that healthy competition? Because I stuck to my goal and I won. Then what does healthy mean? Is it truly your physical health? Because I think you can be so competitive and so driven to become physically unhealthy. You're not thinking about anything else. You're losing relationships, personal and professional. You're losing your credibility among the bar. Liz, to your point, I'm not sure it's a hard and fast answer. You have to know yourself. I can now tell when I am being too competitive. And I have tried to stamp that down, both professionally and personally. Because I fall victim to... Well, they have this. I could get that. Why can't I have that? Why don't I have that? I don't know anybody who has a level of competitiveness that is truly unhealthy who actually realizes it. I agree you know? with that. Yeah. True. Right? And it manifests itself in many different ways. I think what we have to recognize is we're all very competitive and the best we can do for ourselves and our families and our careers is have these discussions. When is it unhealthy for you? When is it harming your reputation, your physical health? You just have to have people around you who are willing to say, hey, you kind of are going crazy on this. Why don't you just step back a little bit? 
I think it's true, Amy, what you're saying. I think it just goes to too much of anything is bad. I think in general, competition is a good thing. I think competition makes us all better people, better attorneys. It typically improves our lives. But if you take it too far, that's when it is not healthy anymore. One of the things that I did in addition to, you know, reading all these self-help blogs on how to not make your life a competition prior to this podcast is I looked up quotes on competition and I hated all of them. Okay. Tell us. What are they? (laughs) Let's hear it. Are they all sports analogies? I bet. So interesting that you say that, Liz. So most of them, 99% of them were the heads of major corporations. They all talk about competition. And quite frankly, I think I hate them because- all of the quotes just talked about profit, and we all know that their competitiveness inevitably results in compromising safety, which is something that we take very seriously as plaintiff's attorney, you know, this whole thing that we don't even need to get into right now. So I just skipped over that page, and then I found one quote, and it's by Rod Laver, and he's an Australian tennis player, and I looked up a little bit about him, and he seems pretty damn impressive. And his quote was the time your game is most vulnerable is when you're ahead. So never let up. And that is such a cool quote because it's just telling us that even when we're competitive and we're getting there and we're meeting our goal, even if we've met our goal, we're the most vulnerable at that point, especially to someone who's competitive because that's when you start to pump the brakes or slow down a little bit. And that allows for other people to come up at your success level or whatever, which we don't want that because we're competitive people, right? You let your guard down. Totally. It's like Mario Kart where if <laughs> you're in the back, you can throw the banana peel. And all of a sudden, front, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. And all of a sudden the whole game's changed. So that was the one quote that I really liked because it spoke not only to being competitive, but to also, even if you're so competitive that you're winning, that's really when you also need to maintain that competitive spirit if that's innately who you are. Something else I was thinking about, my dad's high school football coach, he went to a Catholic high school here in St. Louis, and the football coach used to, before every one of my dad's high school games, used to say a prayer that the other team would play their best that day, that the other team would have their best day. And it brings up not just, you know, we talked about can competition be healthy or unhealthy, but it can also be so fun. Competition makes things fun. And I don't think that we could be, whether in life or in our profession, I don't think we could be in our profession if we didn't think that competition was fun. Because quite frankly, let's be honest, at the end of a trial, there's a winner and there's a loser, right? I mean, somebody wins, somebody loses. So I really think competition is fun. And I'm curious to hear, why do you think competition is fun? And I'm seeing every single (laughs) uh, woman on this podcast jumping, biting at the bit to talk. And I'm going to have Amy go first. And then Megan, you take it away after Amy. And maybe Liz will want to chime in. Age before beauty, Megan. Age before beauty. That's fair. I would say if you learn how to lose, competition can be fun and is fun. If you don't know how to lose, then you're going to spend your entire career spiraling toward this unhealthy result, period. Okay, go, Megan. (laughs) (laughs) So 
I think competition is really fun. And what Mary said about praying that the other team has a good day, I really like that because I went to the University of Alabama, the best football program in the country. We win every year and we win by a lot in most games. I frankly, I have a lot of people that I know are going to disagree with me about this, but those blowout games get boring. And I really enjoy the close games, the real tough competition when we maybe barely win. That is more fun to me than watching us beat a team 52 to zero. And I know my parents strongly disagree. They would love to watch a blowout game every time, but I think it's fun. I love the close competition and then it makes the win more special. When you think about best sports moments, they are where the competition was close. And for me, like one of my favorite sports moments is in the, I think, 2008 Beijing Olympics. If you all remember when it was the men's four by 100 meter relay race, the United States versus France, and we were behind. And then at the very like last 50 meters, Jason Lezak just blows by that Frenchman and wins it by just like hundredths of a second. I still remember that. I was, what was that now? 13 years ago? And I still remember because it was close. It was competition. It was close. And so for me, competition is fun. Healthy competition is fun because along with that stress you get from that situation, there is a huge rush of what I assume is dopamine or serotonin or whatever it is in my brain that makes us feel good. (laughs) I think that those often go hand in hand. And so competition, it is very stressful, but it is also, I don't know, sort of makes you feel alive. Like it's that rush. I think it is fun. If you keep it in check and you don't let it ruin your life, it can be fun. I know we're talking in sports analogies, but I think this translates to our profession as well. I know we are trial attorneys and we love taking a case to trial. And sometimes if it just settles right away, if it's a blowout case, if you just know it's a knockout, it's fun to get a win for your client. But I think it's really fun to take it all the way to trial and it makes that win more special. Yeah. And that's something too that to Amy's point earlier, don't let competitiveness interfere with a goal. And if you've met your goal by getting compensation for your client and that meant you didn't get to go to trial, you've still met your goal as much as you'd love to cross-examine the defendant or the defense experts on the stand. And I'm listening to all of you talk about this, and I've now learned two things. Healthy competition is fun, and unhealthy competition is not fun. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around what unhealthy competition means for me, just in my own personal life. I'm thinking maybe this could be an unhealthy example. So I have a Peloton bike. When I'm on the bike, anytime that there's a sprint I always try to do the next sprint a little bit faster for myself. Or anytime there's a climb, I'm always turning up the resistance, even one or two, you know, knobs higher for myself. But there's also a leaderboard where you can see every other person who's taken the ride and where they rank. And I never look at that when I'm doing a ride for myself because if there's 50,000 people, you know, and I'm ranking in 25,000, you know, it doesn't make me feel good. And the whole purpose of me working out is just to compete with myself, have fun, and also get a good workout in where I'm not thinking about 
things that stress me out. So I think that that maybe could be a way where competition could be unhealthy versus healthy. And, and it directly correlates to physical health, you know, let alone mental. So I think that's a classic example with being competitive with yourself and knowing that in that situation, in your Peloton situation, being competitive with 50,000 people would be unhealthy for you. But you can turn up the dial and do more than you think you can or more than is being asked of you at that moment and compete with yourself. Because I see that as I go through this process and as I have matured into this career, I'm still very competitive with myself. And I don't mind that. I do the same thing with exercise and with how many cases internally can I have and how many can I handle. And I look at my case list and I kind of look around at who has more cases or fewer cases. I'm not going to say anything about that. I'm not going to do anything. But if I have the most cases, I feel good about myself. I do a lot of that. I also, though, have learned that, and this is going to sound like going to the sandbox and taking my toys, but I don't play games anymore that I can't win because I know enough about myself. If I can't win that game, why would I play it? Now, you might look at that and be like, well, that's kind of defeatist, but I have enough knowledge about myself now that I know which games, so to speak, my heart is in and which one I can live without. And that's personal and professional. And Amy, that was the next thing I was going to talk about, which you beat me to it, which was pick your competition. That's part of this is do you get to pick your competition? And that kind of sets the framework for all the other things we've been talking about. And Liz, it goes back to the gift giving (laughs) that you were talking about, which is that's not a competition you want to be a part of, right? You know, I think to myself, I'm not about to go enter to Amy's point. I'm not about to go like look up math competitions that I can go enter to do. Unless, of course, someone challenges me and then I'm going to learn the math and I'm going to go to the competition and, you know, but I'm not trying to do that. I stay in the competitions that I want to stay in. And and I don't think it necessarily is defeatist because I think it's also goes to the healthy competition. You're picking competitions that are fun for you, that are healthy for you. I'm guaranteeing other female professionals can relate to this, but especially for female trial attorneys, I don't want to be part of a competition with my other female trial attorney friends of who's the busiest and who's the most stressed and who gets the least amount of sleep. And I don't know if this has a difference generationally. I don't know, Amy, if you still experience this with your friends, but it comes up over and over again for me. And I've navigated my way through getting out of those conversations more and more because that's what's healthy for me. But it feels like a competition of one-upping sometimes with trial attorneys. I have two depositions. Oh, well, I had three and I have a review coming up this week and I have this. And it's like, well, wait, there was not even an acknowledgement of any of the words that came out of my mouth. And that happens on both ends. I'm guilty of it as well because I think we're so damn competitive that we listen to what someone else is doing and rather than acknowledging what they're saying, especially as a trial attorney maybe even more so as a female trial attorney, we listen to what they're saying and we think, is that a reflection of what I have accomplished or not accomplished this week or this month or in my fourth year as a practicing attorney? What case am I trying next that this person got? So 
I think that's a competition that I don't want to, and I do think it is competition. It might can be categorized as something else, but it is. And I see all of you shaking your head about it. So I'm sure that you can all relate to this to some extent. Liz, what do you think about that? Whew. All right. I got thoughts. First, thank you so much for saying that because that is a serious issue I had when I first got out of law school. And I think part of it is just this weird, always be on the grind, always be hustling culture that we have, especially Americans have. And the point where I realized that being so busy and being so tired all the time was not a flex. It was actually a reflection of how poorly I am managing my own calendar and my own boundaries, that was like a life-changing moment for me when I realized that I should not be bragging about how exhausted I am. That is not a good thing. And that's not a healthy habit to teach young lawyers. And so I'm so glad that you brought that up. I think that that is a perfect example of unhealthy competition. That's, That's a competition, frankly, no one should want to be in. And it really is just a reflection of attorneys. Like we work a ton of hours and then it becomes this comparison. I think it's really bad in defense firms as well, where they're comparing hours and how much have you billed this year? And did you bill enough to get the bonus or whatever? I didn't work in a defense firm long enough to really figure out exactly how that structure works. But I thought it was really weird when I would see people comparing hours I just don't think that that's that's a healthy environment. And frankly, it contributes to burnout, which is a really bad problem in lots of industries, but in particular our industry. And so I agree 100%. Do not brag about how busy you are. Don't try to one-up people when they talk about how busy they are. It makes no one happy and it is not a healthy, a healthy way to approach your job. I see this a lot in my class, my law school class, and my group of friends. And it's a really common phenomenon. And I think part of it has to do with competitiveness. And I think there's another aspect to it as new practicing attorneys. There's a level of excitement about getting to do all these fun lawyer things. And so there will be a group chat of my law school friends and someone will say, I took a deposition today. And someone else will like not respond to that, but you know, want to say like, oh, I, I took two depositions today. And it it just, it kind of keeps going. And I think part of it is an excitement and we're all experiencing these new things, but it bothers me this, I was busier than you competitiveness. It, it really bothers me. And I definitely have been guilty of it, but I am conscious of it. And I really try to curtail it. And if someone says something and in my head, my first gut instinct is to try and one up it. I don't say that. And I just say, congratulations. That's awesome. Focus on you. We can focus on me tomorrow. Yep, I agree. Amy, I'm curious to hear what you have to say about this because I think Liz, Megan, and I all have that similar experience. And I don't know if it's just having group chats outside of right when you graduate law school, when you're starting your job. I left those group chats. I think I had the same kind of realization that Liz did. I just didn't want to be a part of it anymore. And I'm better for it. And my friendships are better for it, honestly, because then I can individually really dive in and celebrate my friends' successes, my girlfriend's successes in their jobs, which I appreciate a lot more. But Amy, have you had this experience or does this sound familiar to you? It is not new. It sounds very familiar, but you can 
and likely will outgrow it in my experience. I can remember being competitive about so many things. And I will say I was lucky though, because I was in a firm that I got to do a lot of cool things right from the start. So I was that one upper. I hate to say it, but when I talked to my law school friends, I was the one who got to say, oh, I took a deposition today. I got licensed and went directly to the courthouse and argued for motions. I took a deposition of a plaintiff the first week that I had a law license, on and on and on and on. I don't think I recognized it then, and a lot of it was very much just embracing and self-congratulatory because you work so hard to reach this goal and you want to believe you've reached your goal and you want other people to acknowledge that and you'd lose sight a little bit of it's really kind of annoying. But when your life is more than just your job, it branches out into marriages and children and family responsibilities and community efforts and other responsibilities, those things do fall to the wayside a little bit, whether you recognize it or not, whether you mean for it to or not. So that is some, I hope that is some good news, but Mary and everybody here, I'm real proud of you to realize it so soon. I don't think I did. I remember being even after switching sides, so probably in six or seven years into my practice, getting real torqued out about who got the office that the older attorney who left, left vacant. You know, which of the next attorney in line was going to get that office? And I thought it should be me for all these reasons. And it didn't become me. And I was all upset about it. And it took me a while to realize, who gives a shit what office you're in? Why does that matter? But those are lessons you kind of have to learn. And sometimes the hard way. I get that way even now, though, because if you see these awards that are going around, there's so many awards. And that's wonderful. I don't really care that much about awards until I see the list of who's on the the award recipient. And I'm like, what? Why? Why aren't I on that list? And all of a sudden I care about it. Why? Why is that? That is endemic competitive nature coming through. And the award in and of itself is not a big deal. But if somebody else gets it, that's not me, then it becomes a big deal. So I can't say that you lose it entirely, but at least in accordance with the friends that I'm still close to, It definitely goes away. It definitely goes away. What advice would you give to someone who right now is listening to this podcast and they currently have a group of professional women who are kind of like their girl gang and the negativity, the one-upping of negativity, the competitiveness of negativity is happening. And also on the flip side, the advice for the one-upping successes. Because I'm hearing both, and I don't know if it's going to be even specific to women. Maybe it also happens with men. Maybe be aware of it. I could definitely have had more self-awareness that I was the one-upper. It's hard, though. It's really hard for the reasons I think I described earlier, which is 
you work so hard, you want a little recognition. And even if that recognition is at the cost of someone else, it's, it's really kind of still recognition. The next time you say, oh, I had two depositions this week and someone else says, oh, I had four. Instead of being like, oh, that's great, which you don't really mean, say, oh, I'm so sorry. How did you get through that? Are you tired? Should we not go out tonight? Responding in a way that doesn't encourage the one uppedness, responding in a way that is empathetic, that really is what you want that person to know if you really do like this person and this person is a, a friend. And you know, particularly, that getting ready for two depositions is hard, much less four. And so responding in a way that says, I'm sorry that you had to do that. How did you get through it? You know, tell me a little bit about that, but making clear that this is a low, this is bad. This is not a good way to live your life. That's what I'm thinking. I agree with you 100%, Amy. And I also as cheesy as it sounds, what I almost started doing in those conversations is I almost would look at my phone and read it. And sometimes it's, you know, during the middle of a work day, especially for newly licensed attorneys who are all asking each other questions about their respective workplaces and comparing notes, whatever. Looking at what you're reading and if you're having a feeling, if you're feeling real bad after reading a series of messages, is it necessary for you to be in that conversation? It's just kind of doing some self-reflection and knowing that you can still acknowledge the other person, even individually. It's so like, Amy, to your point, something that I did is after a bunch of negative kind of spirals or even successes, I would just not respond in the group and just reach out to the person individually because it's important to acknowledge to your point. And I've been on both ends. I've been the one upper and I've been someone who just reads it and gets aggravated for whatever reason, it probably because of a competitive feeling, you know, but just being able to understand how it's actually making you feel before you respond to one up and just thinking, wow, they just had a really good day. And even though I'm sitting here writing a brief that I don't want to be writing, make a note of it and send them a separate message later on that says, Hey, I saw that you said that. Congratulations. So really, if you're in a mindset where you're actually a little bit healthier about it, I think you can be more genuine in those connections with your female colleagues or your female friends. Recognizing what is the competition? Is the competition with my classmates? Is that really still the competition I want to be in? What does that get me? We are in a profession where we've got competition at every turn. Do I still need to have competition with the people that I like to spend time with? So it falls away in that in, in your personal relationships mostly because it's, you've got so much of it in your professional world. So if you're a highly competitive person, I guess we can say we're lucky that we have a profession that should right. fill you up with all the competitive nature <laughs> that you have to give and you no longer have to have it with your friends or siblings or whoever you compete with. So maybe asking yourself, what is the competition I'm in right now? Or who is my competition? And when you can answer those questions, it's a little bit easier to have the more empathetic response about, you know, I'm sorry that you had that week versus, oh, good for you because we know what a toll competition takes in the long run. 
my thoughts are sort of what Amy's already touched on, which is just knowing yourself, knowing your boundaries and understanding what your goals are. It doesn't help. Law school is inherently competitive. I mean, you're competing against classmates. You're graded on a curve. We all know the joke about the gunner. We all know who the gunner in our class was. I am imagining the face of the gunner from my class right now. The person that was so competitive with everyone that they were just miserable to be around. And while this person did great academically, I think that this particular individual really harmed the potential relationships they could have developed in law school. So when I think about, you know, how are we competing with each other, one of the goals in this industry, frankly, is your reputation. And so you want to make sure that you are not using competition in such a way that you are harming your future prospects. And that is something that I have had to learn. I will say when I was younger, grade school, high school into college, I was admittedly probably so competitive that I was not great to be around in certain situations, I'll admit that. <laughs> and probably some of the growth that I am most proud of as an adult now is the fact that I am better at recognizing what competition actually matters. Mary, you brought up the negativity competition of who is more tired and who is working the most and who's billed the most hours and who has the fewest weekends off. I used to really look at that as like some weird badge of honor that I'm working so hard and that is a, a reflection on what a great person I am. And the day that I realized that, no, that's not a good thing. Stop trying to flex on that. I think I became a better person. And I really wish someone would have told me that when I was right out of law school or maybe when I even was in law school. Also, the day that I learned that nobody cares how tired I am. We're right. all tired. No, We're all, right. all exhausted. <laughs> I think that you often get back what you put out. And so if you are empathetic and if you respond to people in a way that says, that doesn't sound good, how are you doing? That teaches people how to respond to you, which just makes those communications easier, makes you feel better. Yeah, I would just build off what Liz and what everyone I think has touched on is that recognition is key. And if someone is bragging about being more tired or staying up later working than you, I think it's important to recognize that the reason people do that is because they think that makes them a better person, a harder worker. And if that aggravates you, like it sometimes aggravates me, it's important to recognize that it does so because we are competitive by nature. And just being able to step back and say, okay, we all know that we all work hard. You know that I'm busy. I know that you're busy. Let's just celebrate each other's wins and comfort each other's losses. I've loved this conversation so much and I've taken so much from it. And the one thing that I think could be the hardest question to answer because we have all agreed that we're inherently competitive is what do you say to someone who says, everything is not a competition. We've all heard a line similar to that. But what would you say to someone? What's the response to someone who has a completely 180 look at life and we all have a shared viewpoint? If they're being honest with themselves and you trust that they really aren't competitive in the way we've described today, as opposed to just being in denial, then I would step back from that and I would 
try to embrace that and say, all right, maybe you're right. I will try to moderate my responses, my reactions, whatever it is. But I'm not sure that anybody actually believes that. Whether you're a lawyer or a non-lawyer or any profession or no profession, I think human nature includes that we, rightly or wrongly, compare ourselves to others, whether they're similarly situated or not. I mean, look at social media, for God's sakes. How many people post on social media that they're not smiling, not happy, not the hundred percent best thing that's ever happened and they're the best person that's ever walked the earth and they're the happiest and the richest and the whatever. I mean, I don't know that it's possible at this point in our society not to compare ourselves with others, which is the nature of competition. But if you truly do have someone that's calling you out, maybe take that as a red flag and internalize that a little bit instead of reacting, which I would would be like, no, I'm not, or whatever I would have said years ago, maybe even today, depending on who said that to me and try to grow from that, try to learn. If it's really coming from an honest place from that person, then I would give it a chance and try to believe it and work on it. I believe the same thing you do, which is people are inherently, there's some competitive nature to all of us. I think it's what drives our economy. I mean, it drives yeah. everything. It just, everything revolves around people being competitive in some way. So I think that it's just, it's that balance between facing the reality that no matter what, there's always going to be some element of competition, but maybe look back at myself and think, damn, if someone's saying that to me, maybe I really do need to pull back a little bit and realize it's a, you know, a Saturday game of like, golfers. I don't play golf. I'm just checkers. Like a, yeah. A Saturday <laughs> afternoon game of checkers, which quite frankly, I played checkers with my mom in the pandemic and I had double crowns all over the board. And, and she told me since I didn't make moves that I could have made, she won. And I got so pissed <laughs> off about it. So that would be a perfect example of when my mom is just trying to spend time with me and I'm getting pissed at her because I think she's working the system of checkers. And I don't even know if I'm playing correctly. That's a great example. It's great that you brought that up. And now when I play checkers with her and I lose, I will just know it's a game of checkers with my mom. You know, just rein it in, Transcend. Mary. Transcend that loss. That's right. I can be competitive and still have a nice time losing a game of checkers with my mother. So Good luck. You know, on that note, ladies, I have taken away so much from this conversation, and I really hope that our listeners have taken away at least one thing that can help benefit them wherever they're at in their life. What are your takeaways about, is everything a competition? This is Amy, and I still think it is. I stand by my original statement. I do think it is, and it should compel you to try to have some self-awareness about how it's affecting your life. Take a beat. If you're in a very competitive situation, feeling physically heated about something, take a beat and try to make a determination about whether it's healthy for you or not at that moment and adjust. Megan, what do you think? My takeaway is that I think there's two main types of competitiveness, competitiveness with yourself and with others. And I think in both cases, it's usually a good thing 
until you take it too far and it becomes unhealthy. But I think we all know intrinsically what unhealthy competition is. Liz. My takeaway is that I stand by my initial answer, which is that no, not everything is a competition. I truly feel that you can do things for the sake of doing them and just enjoying things. And not everything has to be with a win or lose goal in mind, but that competition can be good and it is natural for us to feel competitive. And frankly, if you aren't competitive, then this is not the job for you. Mine would just be you actually have the ability to choose your competition and what competition you want to be in, what arena you want to enter and go in the one that you really want to and and that you know you want to work very, very hard to be successful at, especially if you love to be competitive. And so on that note, thank you everyone so much for listening to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. Please remember that if you want to leave us comments or questions, you can reach out to us at heelsinthecourtroom.law and please tune in next time. Amy, Liz, Erica, Mary, Elizabeth, and Megan would love to hear from you. Send your thoughts to comments at heelsinthecourtroom.law and check out other legal podcasts in the Simon Law Firm Library. The Jury Is Out with John Simon focuses on lifelong learning to elevate your practice. Subscribe today 